This episode contains details that may be disturbing to some. Listener discretion is advised. I don't want to think foul play, but that's what everything... I don't want to accuse anybody of anything. My first goal is to find Jared first and then find out exactly how it happened and if anybody's responsible. Welcome to Method and Madness. This is Missing, Jared McCulloch. I'm your host, Dawn. It was the morning of Monday, November 6th, 2023. An abandoned truck was found in Knox County, Indiana. The doors were left wide open and inside, two dogs with their collars and leashes on. The owner of the vehicle, an adult male, had up and vanished while on his way to visit his son. Today, we'll discuss the circumstances around a missing 33-year-old man, Jared McCulloch. Joining me is Jared's mom, Tammy Repond. Let's dive in. 102,368 That was the number of missing men in the United States in 2022. The good news, most of these cases were resolved within the same year. The alarming news is the no news. The media tends to shy away from reporting on adult men that vanish. Jared McCulloch is actively missing. He's an animal lover, someone fiercely protective of his mother, Tammy, who says she's been blessed to be his mom. She's shared stories with me about how Jared was sick as a young child and faced health challenges, but overcame them, and how at the age of 10, he took in a stray dog, a pet that became a loved member of the family. As an adult, he grew to love construction and was the first person to call when something needed fixing. His last known whereabouts were in Illinois on November 5th, 2023. If you're in the Illinois or Indiana areas, please share this episode with a friend, and let's help get the word out. Jared is a 33-year-old white male, 5'9", 179 pounds, with dirty blonde hair and blue eyes. He has several tattoos and is likely wearing a tan Carhartt jacket, a light blue shirt, and a dog tag necklace. On November 6, 2023, Tammy Repond, Jared's mother, received a phone call from Detective Carr of the Knox County Sheriff's Department in Indiana. He told her that her son's truck, a 2020 white GMC Sierra, was found abandoned in Vincennes, Indiana. Jared hasn't been heard from since. Tammy has had no choice but to use her prowess and research to put together a timeline of Jared's movements in the days leading up to his disappearance. She's accessed all of Jared's accounts, as much as was possible. And she's been working with local law enforcement, but due to it being an active investigation, she's just not privy to a lot of the information out there. As you can imagine, Tammy has faced more than a handful of challenges. Here are just some of them. Jared went missing in an area his mother isn't familiar with. In fact, It's nearly 600 miles from her home. As far as we know, Jared's cell phone, a Motorola, 
has not been found in or around the area where his truck was abandoned. His mother, Tammy, does have access to some of the data on his phone, but it's limited. Since Jared is on her Verizon plan, she can see the calls and text records, but a cell phone bill or statement only tells one part of a story. You can see the times and phone numbers for all outgoing and incoming calls and texts, but it doesn't show the content of the texts, only that they happened. In order to get that information about the content of the messages between two parties, you'd have to subpoena that information from the cell phone provider, which is difficult and mostly only occurs in court cases. The phone is still being kept active by Jared's family, despite that it's still remaining missing. To top off an already difficult and stressful situation for Jared's family is the following. The night into the early morning that Jared was last seen was the end of daylight savings. With the time falling back an hour, in addition to a time zone difference, it gets complicated to put exact times on all of Jared's activities. What Tammy found out after receiving the news that Jared was missing was he allegedly was driving from his home in Marion, Louisiana, to Sandoval, Illinois. There, he was to meet up with the mother of his 14-year-old son. According to the child's mother, Jared never made it to her home. We're going to walk through the timeline of events. What will be presented is where Jared was at what time. Stops on his journey, which were verified by credit card activity, video footage, and cell phone pings. Tammy has also provided me with the receipts that Jared received from various purchases made on his stops. For the purposes of anonymity, some names have been changed. Jared's 14-year-old son will be referred to as Ryan. The mother of Ryan will be referred to as Liz. Jared and Liz are no longer a couple, but allegedly they were meeting up to go visit their son Ryan, who was staying at a juvenile detention center in Benton, Illinois. Jared was also trying to get custody of Ryan. We begin on the evening of Saturday, November 4th, 2023. Around 6 or 6.30 p.m. Central Time, Jared left his home in Marion, Louisiana. He brought his beloved dogs, Rusty and Roxy May, with him in his truck. His direction? Headed north, over 500 miles, an eight-hour drive to the Prairie State. At 7.48 p.m., Jared texted his mother Tammy, I love ya, which was a tradition they had in the morning after phone calls and at night. Tammy responded in typical mom fashion with, I love you more. At 9.04 p.m., Jared pulled into Southern Edge Truck Stop in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, and purchased $40 of gas. At 11.23 p.m., he made a stop at Jordan's, a convenience store in Pocahontas, Arkansas, where he got more gas and some food. The two Arkansas stops were confirmed by receipts that Jared left in his truck and that Tammy held on to. 
As mentioned earlier, during Jared's drive, daylight savings ended and he arrived in Salem, Illinois, early Sunday morning. The time was 2.38 a.m. or 1.38 a.m., with the clocks falling back. Jared's stops while in Illinois were difficult for me to visualize, so I took to Google Maps to outline the possible route he took all day Sunday, including where his truck ended up. If you think this will be helpful, you can click the link in the show notes to get that visual. Once in Salem, Jared stopped at Huck's, a chain convenience store on Main Street. His visit there is confirmed by video footage, and according to a clerk, Jared seemed fine. While there, Jared sent a text to his ex, Liz, telling her that he'd, quote, be there in a minute, the assumption being that he'd be at her home in Sandoval, Illinois, shortly. Sandoval is a tiny village near Salem, and it should have only taken Jared 10 or so minutes to drive there. Also, this is a rural area, just a couple of county roads between destinations, and lots of farmland to look at. But after Jared went missing, Liz told Tammy that Jared never made it to her home, and that he just kept telling her he was lost. I asked Tammy if she knew that Jared was meeting up with Liz to go visit Ryan. Here is Tammy Repond. I really don't know for 100% fact that that was his reasoning for going. All I know is that's the story that she has told. I talked to Jared about an hour before he left Louisiana, and he didn't say as far as going there or anything like that. He didn't ever mention the trip. I was unaware until I got the phone call as far as the truck being found. Um, all we know as far as his exact reasoning is just through some vague text messages and her word that that's the reason why he went. I, don't, I can't say 100% that that's, I mean, that would be her, her story to tell. And it's a story that Tammy says has changed several times. If Jared didn't make it to Liz's home, then it's unknown what he was doing for the next few hours that Sunday morning, because the next known activity that Jared had was at 5.26 a.m. So what happened between 1.38 and 5.26? That's a significant time gap where Jared is supposed to be at Liz's house, yet she says he wasn't. So at 5.26, about a 17-minute drive from at Hux in Salem, Jared was seen on camera getting $15 worth of gas at Phillips in Central City, Illinois. On that video, he seemed fine and there was nobody with him, just his dogs. The gas station is about an eight-minute drive south from Liz's home in Sandoval, and it didn't appear that anyone was following him, at least as far as can be seen on surveillance video. Another three hours go by before Jared is seen again this time on video at a different Hux convenience store in Carmi, Illinois. It was 8.27 a.m. on Sunday, and Jared was now more than an hour southeast of Liz's in Sandoval. Again, he didn't appear to be in distress, and only his dogs were with him. It seems that his credit card was declined here, and that he paid cash for more gasoline. An hour later, there's an incoming call from Liz to Jared. His location is estimated to be in the Grayville, Illinois area, as that's where his phone pinged. 
at 9:59 Eastern Time. Tammy received a text from her son that said, "Where is that?" Thinking Jared had texted her an error, which he did often, she didn't respond. But Tammy tells me that this is a decision she's regretted and wishes more than anything that she had called her son back. When she reviewed the cell records later, the text was sent from Jared's cell phone at 7:59, a time difference that should have only been an hour, but was somehow coming up as two. Tammy has confirmed that the only other person Jared was texting during his travels was Liz, and Liz is adamant that she and Jared only spoke once during his road trip. The Verizon records say otherwise. That brings us to 10:24 on that Sunday morning. Between 10:24 and 10:41, Jared's phone pinged the Mount Carmel, Illinois tower three times. All calls with Liz, according to cell records. At 10:57, Liz again called Jared, and his phone pinged the Allendale Tower. The final phone call that Jared received was from Liz. The cell phone ping putting the Motorola's location in St. Francisville, Illinois, at 11:08 a.m. That's about an hour northeast of Jared's previous ping. That call lasted. For six minutes, no video proof or credit card activity confirms Jared was in Saint Francisville at this time. The only information we have was gathered through cell phone records and from eyewitness accounts. After that, there is no known activity, and there has been no bank activity since. On the evening of Sunday, November fifth, at six thirty-two p.m., a GMC app alert went out saying that Jared's truck battery was critically low. A notification that Tammy received. The battery died shortly after that. The following day, Monday, at approximately eight a.m., a local citizen called the police and reported a suspicious truck abandoned near the Wabash River in Decker, Indiana. Just across the Illinois state line, that puts it in the Eastern Time Zone. The river is 503 miles long and flows into the Ohio River at the southern end of the Indiana-Illinois state line. The truck was Jared's, and both the driver's side doors were left open, with his dogs Rusty and Roxy May still inside, their leashes on. Jared was nowhere to be found. But the sneakers he'd been wearing were found in the woods nearby, about ten feet apart. This brings us to a point in Jared's story where the question of possible foul play is being raised. Let's take a break. This month, I'd like to invite you, the listener and friends of the show, to join me in a special campaign in support of Season of Justice, a nonprofit dedicated to working directly with families to fund comprehensive awareness campaigns and other initiatives that can push their unsolved cases forward. Season of Justice also provides grants to investigative agencies that fund DNA testing and forensic genetic genealogy research. To solve cold cases, 
Since 2020, Season of Justice has raised more than $1 million in grants for more than 140 cases in North America, leading to six cold cases being solved. But Season of Justice doesn't do this alone. So I'm asking you to consider donating this month. I understand that financial support simply isn't possible for everyone. But if you're able to make even a small gift to Season of Justice that's meaningful to you, you'll be helping families find answers. You can join me today in supporting Season of Justice with a donation by texting METHOD24 to 53555. According to his family, Jared would never, under any circumstances, abandon his dogs. Any pet owner can relate. Our animals are our family. The dogs being left is a huge red flag. If you're going to take your dogs with you while you travel, you aren't leaving them alone in a vehicle with the doors wide open. Also, if Jared was stopping somewhere for a few minutes, his mother said he would absolutely have locked up his truck. Let's talk about what else was found in Jared's truck and what wasn't. His suitcase, tools, and several pairs of shoes, along with other traveling items, were still there. But his cell phone, wallet, and the white sunglasses he's seen wearing in some of the gas station footage, that was all missing. Here's what we know about the truck itself. It was in park, but had been left running until it eventually ran out of gas. It's estimated that this would have happened around 3 p.m. on Sunday, and that the truck had possibly been idling for about three hours. Jared's cell phone shows the last sync was later, at 6.39 p.m., which means that although Jared was missing, his phone was still active. And just a note, the local temperature was about 63 degrees as the high. Here, Tammy talks about the day she heard her son was missing and how she began putting the pieces together, which included reaching out to Liz. I was at the hospital getting blood work done, and um, so I really didn't talk to him. I didn't answer at first because I didn't recognize the phone number. And um, my husband texted me and told me that I needed to answer that call. So I walked outside and I did, but I only talked to him for a brief minute because I had to go back in. And I was still confused because all he said was Indiana. I'm trying to think of why in the heck would he be in Indiana? And I didn't know where the place was that he was referring to. I had no idea. I kind of figured out as that's not too far away from Salem and put two and two together and reached out to her. But uh, I talked to Detective Carr for a little bit. He just explained to me how the truck was found and where it was found. And of course, I had to Google map that to figure that area out. And he told me as far as the dogs being left in the truck and everything. I've been, this is kind of going in the other direction, but I've been sitting here thinking about the dogs being left in the truck, I'll say. And I kind of wonder if the doors were maybe actually closed when the truck originally was there. Because the truck had to be there for, you know, at least 12 plus hours that we know of before somebody came upon it and found it. I mean, what if, because it's such a, a thin one lane road, what if somebody did open the door, seeing the dogs inside, maybe they're getting warm. It just it seems out of character for him to ever leave the doors open. I'm saying if he was there at the, you know, the one who left the truck or whatever happened and he was, he would never leave his doors open. I mean, and somebody, maybe a good Samaritan may have passed by, you know, and just seeing the dogs, maybe they were hot inside the truck and just decided to open the doors. 
Um, and that's why the dogs still had their leashes on when they were found too, because he always kept their leashes on whenever he traveled. That way, he, if he stopped somewhere, he could quickly get out and, you know, walk them on a leash. He always kept them leashed if they weren't inside their pen at home. Life has become a nightmare for Tammy since receiving that call. There's the unknown, not knowing if your child is safe, alive, and the red tape. Trying to get answers from law enforcement, trying to put together a timeline, and also spreading awareness so that no matter what, Jared can come home. But a big key in all of this has been the cell phone. It's my knowledge that's not been recovered. If it has, they've not told me. But I know in the very beginning they did say that it, it was missing along with his vape and his wallet and his sunglasses. I mean, I, I don't think they realized the sunglasses was missing. I just, I always call it, Jared's got that blonde-haired, blue-eyed syndrome that the sun really hit, hurts his eyes. So if it's sunny out, he's always got them sunglasses on. And to my knowledge, those are the only thing. There was a disposable vape in there, which he didn't like. But then he always kept a backup pack of cigarettes in his glove box in case he ran out of his vape stuff because he's, he's been working on trying to quit for a good long time. But the backup pack of cigarettes was still in his glove box and there was a disposable vape in there. Tammy has spoken with Liz a couple of times since Jared went missing. Here, she tells me what Liz has said about Jared's trip. Well, it depends on which time we talk, because in the beginning, she told me that it was he was going to go there and stay all night there. Well, not all night, but sleep for a few hours and then go um, the sun. It was down in Benton, Illinois, together. And I know her car was broke down at the time. Also, I don't know if that's the reasoning that they were going together or to you know, do a united front or, or anything like that. But, and at first she told me that he, um, they were supposed to be there, there at 10 a.m. But then the last time I talked to her, she said that Jared was coming there just because that he needed to get away for a few days and um, asked if he can come and stay there and that they were supposed to meet the son at 1 p.m. But that he didn't go because she couldn't get a hold of him, but she went. Tammy has been unable to confirm that Liz did in fact go to Benton to visit Ryan at the Juvenile Detention Center. On December 31st, 2023, the center was closed. A staffing shortage had made it difficult to meet state standards for the treatment of youth in custody, according to an article by Molly Parker for Capital News Illinois. On November 22nd, Tammy's husband got a notification from Verizon that a request to activate a new SIM card or new device for Jared's line had been made. So they had no um, sign of suspicious activity. And then I, as soon as I seen it on our email, I sent it to Detective Carr. And he said, well, he didn't know what that meant. He'd have to send it to his tech guy. And then I asked him again a couple times ago, two or three times ago that we talked. And he said it, he, he didn't know what that was. He never heard anything back about what that was. Another hurdle that pops up in any open investigation, whether it be a missing person or an unsolved homicide, is the theories that tend to pop up online. People are well-intentioned and want to help, but sometimes sleuthing or posting assumptions can actually cause harm. Tammy doesn't shy away from the realities that Jared had been in legal trouble in the past, but that he always reached out to her and communicated about it. To just go silent is out of character for him. 
do I think that he's on this earth? I'd like to believe it was everything inside of me, but I can't. It, I mean, it, I struggle with that because I know Jared and I mean, Jared, I mean, it's been put out there that Jared's been in trouble before. And I know every time Jared's been in trouble, he doesn't ever hesitate to, you know, not call me. I, I mean, he would, he would never not call me and to leave his dog. So the only two things are either number one, it, you know, an accident, a fall slip, something that he would have to have say hit his head or, or been knocked out to because he knows how to swim and he, he's very river smart i mean we live in louisiana and he loved the rivers down there and he's, he's very smart where the river's concerned so him doing something unsafe in the river does not make any sense to me and especially um without any shoes because his shoes were found that is so a fall kind of counts that out because if they were in the same location to be 10 feet apart in the woods there doesn't make any sense because Jared never goes without shoes. That's why he's got three pair, well, actually four, because he had two pairs of sliders, one in his suitcase and one in the truck. But I mean, he never goes without shoes and he definitely would never in the river. So I don't want to think foul play, but that's what everything, I don't want to accuse anybody of anything. Um, my first goal is to find Jared first and then find out exactly how it happened and if anybody's responsible. Tammy spends every day running through all of the events in her head, searching Google Maps, checking and rechecking phone records, and with the help of family members, puts together flyers and gathers volunteers for searches. The hardest part is that I'm so far away. I'm not there. And, you know, I, if I, even if I stayed up there, say, in a hotel and live there every day, I'm still not going to get any further than what I can hear. I'm better off on the computer, I think, and mailing out flyers. Because as far as that area, it's so it's so remote. If I had any better leads, as far as to know um, where to look, I would. But that's what I'm looking for. You know, if I had something solid to go on, I'd be there in a heartbeat. But thankfully, I've got the community there that are that do know the area and that have been a huge help. I know Brothers Underwater Recovery has been down there twice. Uh, Billy Darnell, the chief of police in St. Francisville, he allowed and helped and helped along with a search, um, I think it's been about close to about a month ago in his city or town. And uh, yeah, they've all just been really, really helpful. And Band Together Canine, they've d- done at least three, four that I know of. And anytime I gotta, I gotta give them a big thanks too, because they're patient with me. Anytime I'm sitting here on the computer and I get something in my head of, well, you know, oh, this this place looks like something. This looks familiar. They're they're pretty quick. They're they're a distance, but not too far away from the area um, that they'll they've picked up and they they'll go out there and check for me every time I think I see something on Google Maps or something. It may seem an obvious yes would be the answer to the following question, but I had to make sure since it's not always so cut and dry in the cases of adult men who go missing. I asked Tammy if Jared's disappearance was being investigated by any law enforcement agencies. It is my understanding, yes, because I did ask as far as the case record, in my opinion, from what I understood, if it wasn't active, then I was allowed those case files by law, and they said it is an active investigation. I'm sure they do know a lot more than I know, and they can't tell me. Knox County is in charge of the case, Knox County, Indiana. And Detective Carr is the lead investigator. He's really the only, I've only talked to the sheriff once, um, but Detective Carr, I've talked to 
quite a few times. But I do know he is listed in missing persons, which I worked on getting that done along with Tia right over in Illinois. So he does have a missing persons number. He's in NamUs, so he is officially listed in NCIC. It's been a nightmare that Tammy can't wake up from. A few years ago, Jared's younger brother Austin passed away. Still mourning that loss, a mother is now faced with more tragedy. You guys have heard me say it dozens of times. Family members have no choice but to become advocates for their loved ones, and Tammy has been an incredible advocate for her missing son. The Facebook group that she and her family created to raise awareness has over 8,000 followers, with so many Good Samaritans offering to volunteer to search or to distribute flyers. It just warms the heart. Most of these helpers don't know Jared, but they see a mom in agony, trying to find her son, and they want to help in any way they can. In mid-February, a billboard was put up in Fairfield, Illinois, provided free of charge by Travis Rhodes and Dusty's Outdoor Media. The billboard, which is located a little over 90 minutes from where Jared's truck was found, features a photo of the missing man and offers a $1,000 reward. Here is today's call to action. If you have any information about the disappearance of Jared McCulloch, please call 618-367-1828. You can remain anonymous. You can also reach out to the Knox County Sheriff's Office at 812-882-7660. To follow Jared's case and to see how you can help, please join the Facebook group Finding Jared McCulloch. The link is in the show notes. Thank you to my very special guest, Tammy Repond, for sharing Jared's story. Thank you for listening to this episode of Method and Madness. If you haven't already, please leave a rating or a review and don't forget to hit the follow button. To connect, I'm on X at Method Pod, on Instagram at Method and Madness Pod, and you can find me on TikTok and Facebook as well. To chat, suggest a case, or discuss the episode, reach out to me at methodandmadnesspod at gmail.com. Method and Madness is researched, written, and hosted by me. That's it for this week. Until next time, take care of yourself. You matter. For crisis support, text hello to 741-741. Thank you.